Amen. Let's all stand for a minute. This is Memorial Day weekend, is it not? So uh, let's pray for our country, huh? And uh, for our government. And let's just ask God, Lord, we just come humbly before you. And uh, we don't know exactly what to do most of the time, but our eyes are on you. We're asking, Lord, that you would give us during this election time amazing people who are elected. We pray, Lord, you would sort through them and bring just the right representatives. We pray, Lord, for the attitudes in the government, Lord, that there would be those that uh, would embrace a Christian worldview despite themselves. And those that are champions that way, may they just come forward and, and say in a clear way what's on your mind. And we ask you, God, for favor for the church and for all those that are praying for us, that are praying for our country. We pray, Lord, for the safety of our kids, especially in light of what just happened in Texas what's happening around the country in all the kinds of ways, the violence. Lord, I just ask you to just cease the violence. You bring peace to the land. I pray you would help our politicians come to their senses on both sides of the aisle. I pray there be some sort of reconciliation, some sort of healing. Lord, we realize right now as we stand here, we've got a lot of ideas of how it would be better, but there's such a chasm and such a divide. You're going to have to intervene in our history once again. Because we just would say, even as believers, uh, we don't know exactly what to do. But our eyes are on you and our prayers are on you. We're asking you and appealing to you, just like you taught us to pray. We don't pray for authorities in, uh, in vain. But we pray for our authorities and those over us, Lord, you answer. Give us great candidates. Give grace politicians. Grace them. Begin to draw them out. Lord, and put them in high positions of authority. I pray you'd remove bad authorities, bad ones that are not good for our country, Lord, that are evil in some way that we can't even see. We ask you, God, that you would just do this in a mighty way during this season. And Lord, as we think of Memorial Day, we just remember all of those that have gone before us that have sacrificed, those amazing, amazing men and women of God who have protected our country, sons and daughters, uncles, aunts, we just thank you for them. May the Lord bless them. May the Lord help them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And bring other godly people into the military, Lord, that just know what to do. And, and uh, especially in our officers, Lord, I pray, God, you'd promote those that are, are very promotable. And those that have hidden problems, Lord, I pray you'd take them away. And we pray right now for the situation in the Ukraine and in Europe, Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name that you would help that situation that you would just bring peace. We pray for the largest uh, Messianic congregation, the largest congregation in Ukraine, in Kiev. We pray for them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for that leader, Boris, Lord, who's such an incredible leader. And that church is just an amazing thing. It's a Messianic congregation, uh, over a 1,000 people. What an amazing church it is, right there in the middle of everything. Lord, we pray for them. We pray you protect him. pray you protect all their leaders, all the Christian workers that we know in other parts of the country. In Jesus' name, we pray for them right now. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So we just had contact with uh, Europe in a big way. And uh, I just wanted to know what was going on, and I have a lot of contact there. And um, So I want to assure you that the body of Christ is very active and moving in, your, in uh, Europe in a way that maybe never we've never seen before. 
And uh, they have taken this Ukrainian thing incredibly serious. And there's just an incredible number of missionaries and people that are helping the poor and the weak as they're coming out of these countries in places like Poland and Moldova and uh, other landing spots. And uh, it's just amazing. So pray for those workers in the body of Christ. And uh, we've been able to donate some money uh, to this thing, thanks to some of, the, uh, of our givers here. And uh, it's been amazing and a privilege. And um, I always, when I give internationally... I, I always give uh, in such a way that I, I, it works through churches because individual pastors have a good understanding of what's going on better than anyone, better than even workers from other organizations. So I always work through churches, and I get, uh, and so I, I've done that since the beginning. It works really, really well. And then I can just call up and say, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, And they tell me exactly what's happening, right? And and exactly what's really happening, and, and they're honest, and it's good. And so we're doing that through networks of pastors uh, that are right on ground, right? Ground zero. I mean, on the edge of hell, basically. And it is the edge of hell. Uh, what's going on in Ukraine is unprecedented in so, so many, many ways. So um, I want to talk about winning impossible uh, battles. <laughs> There's a lot of warfare in the air, isn't there? So I want to talk about this from one of my favorite stories. It's in Chronicles chapter 20. And if you have your phone or your Bible, you might want to turn there. There's some very, very cool scriptures I'm going to mention. And you might want to look back at that just personally. So uh, this conference that we're doing, the Father Loves You conference, um, if I'm not mistaken, that's next weekend. Is that right, Eddie? <laughs> Am I right? Is it? I hope you know. So, Eddie, why don't you stand up with Janet there, please? This is Eddie and Janet Piorek. And, uh, and so, Eddie will be speaking. Uh, I don't know if they'll be doing some things together or not, but I know for sure he'll be uh, speaking on Saturday night and Sunday morning. Uh, and uh, I've been trying to advertise this all over the place uh, as much as I possibly can. I've had a very distinct feeling that the Lord wants to bring the Father's love in a way that we haven't seen it in a long time. So from the very beginning of the church all the way through these years, I've taught dutifully week after week about the inbreaking of the love of God. I say the inbreaking of the love of God, meaning that not only does God love you in a sense that we can grasp intellectually, yes, God's supposed to love me, yes, He gave me Jesus, but it turns out that when he gave you Jesus and Jesus sent, he also gave you the Holy Spirit. It turns out that this Holy Spirit comes and brings impartations of love that represent the Father in such an intimate way that we call it the Father's love. And so uh, for me, it was an invasion and continues to be an invasion. <laughs> Violated my best big time. Turned me upside down, man. When you get funny how just getting loved by God will turn you upside down. But it did. All my priorities, everything I thought, you know, I was just sort of an emotionally and over... I didn't know that you could receive... I, I've, I've known for years you could receive power, healing, and all that. But a little thing like love. But a little thing like love is not, it's not a little thing. It's a big thing. Just receive a huge dose of it in your spirit, and you'll see what happens. Right? And uh, so I continue to experience that. And we've always wanted to make that burn in our church. And so we have uh, Father's Day coming up, and we have... Uh, and then, then we have Pentecost. And so we thought, you know, just kind of in the spirit of that, um, that for our Pentecost celebration this time, that we would do a Saturday night and a Sunday morning. And then we'll do uh, a Monday night like we always do. But on Monday night, which is the Pentecost weekend, what we'll do is um, we just uh, 
have this amazing time where we um, just find out who hasn't spoken in tongues before, and then they, and then we just get them speaking in tongues. About as simple as that. So generally, it's like 30 or 40 at a time. Almost all of them will start speaking in tongues, and uh, just get an impartation of the Spirit, which, by the way, is surprisingly e- uh, easy, but very, very powerful. So both those experiences revolutionized my life. They took me from, uh, you know, here to here really quickly. Both the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and the gifts associated, and then the other thing, which is the love of the Father. And I'm sure there's there's lots of other experiences with the Holy Spirit, but these two broad categories of love and power are tremendous. There's another one called revelation, revelatory thing, which is a prophetic movement in God. Right, but there's an impartation associated with at least the first two, and probably with prophetic as well. But these are very dramatic and for everybody. And I just encourage you in this time and this season to take advantage. If you've been running a little bit low on love, come get a refresher. <laughs> you know, if you haven't spoken in tongues in a while, or just need a ref- you know just to be filled with the Spirit again, uh, come. And uh, we just do it in a very humble way. It's not really hyped much, but boy, the Spirit just comes, and it's just such a wonderful thing. So. So the girl, your sister, which is the your sister, the one next to you, or the one on the other side? That one. So sister, uh, I met you, and uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you I have a very powerful call in your life, and uh, there's several dimensions to it, and one of them is prayer. Uh, uh, there's a prayer anointing that's coming to you, if it isn't already there, and. Um, and you're literally going to see things move and change, rearrange in front of your very eyes. Uh, you're a person that um, has this ability to pray a lot and to hear a lot. And so maybe you do both. And uh, I believe you're going to get some unusual uh, activity that way in your life, you know. Uh, it's just going to be uh, dramatic. Uh, your hearing part in terms of what you're hearing from God and giving to others and then this receiving part uh, that allows you to intercede and pray and move mountains, literally. So, are uh, you from Switzerland? So there's a lot of mountains there. So how about some mountain-moving prayer anointing on you? Huh? That'd be good? Okay, yeah, you know all about mountains then. So, Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name that from this moment forward, when she prays, mountains would move. You would have her even enter into a deep sessions of intercession and prayer, and that you would give her revelation and insight about things that she doesn't even know about, Lord, but uh, it's very, very powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good. So let's talk about winning impossible battles. How about that? One of my favorite stories of all is in First Chronicles, or excuse me, excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter 20. And so a man named Jehoshaphat, I just like to say the name Jehoshaphat anyway. You know? Don't you? Just Jehoshaphat. It's a cool name, right? I want to name one of our kids Jehoshaphat. I think the grandkids would do it. It's a cool name, and he's a cool guy, right? Anyway, after this, <laughs> they're not in here. After this, uh, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Mennonites, whoever those ites are, I think I know two out of three, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So they were neighbors, in other words. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Engedi. I've been to Engedi, by the way. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek 
help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? I like that. Abraham, your friend. Sometimes prayer, when we think of that subject, is so austere, it's so impersonal. But actually, it's incredibly personal. We come as sons and daughters and friends. That's why we get somewhere with God, right? If we lose that revelation, then we lose the revelation of prayer altogether, don't we? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, as if God doesn't remember. Oh, you built me a sanctuary? <laughs> He's reminding God of his place of authority before him, saying, if calamity comes upon us, you said this, God, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How many times have you said this during these crises in the last several years? <laughs> I tell you what, I about wore that, that scripture out. But it's incredibly powerful. It's not just a cry of desperation. It's an affirmation. It is a giving away something that we're fearful of to God to deal with. And by the way, because of our association as sons and daughters, we actually have authority in that because he listens to his sons and daughters just like we listen to ours, right? All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. I really like that. So this is a red alarm. This is a five-alarm fire. This is, this is a big deal. <laughs> Everybody's there, right? Because they could be annihilated. There's a scripture that says God gives grace to the humble. And I love prayer gatherings because in their very nature, they're humble. I like the one we did uh, with the city, uh, with a bunch of other churches out there in Mission Viejo. I really liked it. You know I liked it? I didn't like it because there were so many people there. There weren't as many people as I had hoped. I, I figured that would be the case. And I thought, wow, what a surprising thing in times like this. But I had a feeling that was going to be the case. We should have all been out there. There should have been thousands of us out there. But... We haven't got to bottom yet. We haven't figured out how bad the situation is yet. And also, we don't know how powerful our prayer life is. So those two things keep you away. But these people understood their back was against the wall, and they weren't cringing trying to find a hole somewhere. They were out there all together, humbly, before the Lord. We did that. The city was so great. Because I like what I liked about it when I walked away from it, I thought, I like the humility of it. We're just a bunch of people out there crying out for God to help us. It was so... I liked it because of that. We didn't have a big stage. We didn't have a bunch of sound. We didn't have a bunch of musicians. We just stood there and we just prayed in little groups and asked God to help us. That right there is the key. God gives grace to the humble. Allow your heart to be humble before the Lord. This is one of the key things to winning impossible battles. You know, 
Second Chronicles chapter 20, these verses that I've just, just read, right, all through. I like Psalm 51 a lot because sometimes people make mistakes. Sometimes people make mistakes and they don't think that they're ever going to get back, right? It's an impossible battle. I did something I shouldn't have done or I made a mistake I'm never going to recover from, right? It's a fair number of people that carry that kind of baggage. Could I just encourage you to lose that baggage today? <laughs> So King David, one of the greatest uh, persons in all the scripture, prophesied about both he was coming and also uh, after he came, you know, that there would be a Messiah that would be in his lineage and so on and so forth. Front and center. The man, by the way, after God's own heart, that one, sinned. He didn't just sin a little bit. He sinned a lot. He saw a woman and he liked her and she, he found out she was married, so he arranged for her husband to get killed. And he did. And then he went and married her. Sounds pretty bad. Doesn't sound too spiritual. A man after God's heart? Are you kidding me? Well, that gives me a little space. How about you, man? <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, this David was an unusual character because he was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. He just loved God. And when, he, when it happened, God pronounced judgment and he lost this child that was born to the woman and uh, the child died, and it was in a very you know, painful place. And so Psalm 51 is his prayer. And it's an interesting prayer. It's a sorrowful prayer, but also a prayer of tremendous hope. Because he knows God's a forgiver. He understands who God is and loves him. He understands God's love. That's the most important thing. He, he knows that when he asks for forgiveness, that there's a even in that time, there was a way to get rid of the sin, you know, a sacrificial system, a confession system, right? And uh, so this Psalm 51 is all about that. So in verse 10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. But when you get to verse 16, he says this. It's very interesting. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. In other words, I can't earn my way back into your favor. It's amazing how many people do something wrong and spend their entire life trying to earn their favor back as if they could do that. You can't. You just have to say, I'm sorry, I did it. And then walk with God. Isn't that great? He cleanses it. Now you walk with God. Because if you hold that guilt, you're just going to make more mistakes. Right? That's why he says, you don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. That would have covered this sin. My sacrifice, he, he's forecasting even the animals, you know. That's... It's what inside, he was forecasting where we are right now on this side of the cross. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Then he goes this, may it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. In other words, may it please you to get us all back on track. My sin has caused a lot of problems. His sin caused a lot of death. Because there was judgment that fell in the country. But his prayer released the, the whole situation. I like that. So when we're turning our eyes to the Lord, one of the first things we need to do is humble our heart before the Lord. And we can do that without having an egregious sin. But it's such a critical thing relationally with God to find a place of humility before the Lord. To find a, a place of, of, of honesty and clarity and, and relationship. And, but... Uh, but humility before the Lord. Isaiah chapter 57, 57 says, 15, 57, 15 says this, 
For this is what the high and exalted one says. Like that. Clears his throat. This is what I'm talking about here. This is what I say. The high exalted one. The most high God. This is what I say. So what's he going to say? He who lives forever, whose name is holy. Oh, okay. Okay, got that. I live in a high, a high and holy place. I know that. But then he says something astounding. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isn't that amazing that God lives in this high and holy place, but he also lives in the place where a person is broken, needs to be revived somehow, and someone that's sorry and humble before God. He, he lives in that space too. I really like that. We see this in the great character of the Bible, which our children learn Bible studies all about and everything. And actually, it was one of my hardest stories to kind of cope with. I was trying to come to the Lord. How does actually a guy get swallowed by a whale and then burped up on the seashore, right? But in this story, and by the way, I found out later that actually uh, there are whales that big and there are possibilities for that actually happening to a person. <laughs> Believe it or not. But you've got to admit, there's probably some sort of miraculous tinge to this, right? This story that happened to him. But I want to just read from Jonah for a moment. Jonah 2, 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. I thought at that time you could only pray in the temple, in the Old Testament temple. He was Old Testament, to your holy temple. But he knew somehow he could reach God in this very, very difficult place, even in the Old Testament side of things. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. In other words, he's saying, God, I'm in bad shape here. Please help me. And this last one's pretty funny. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, I would have loved to see that. I, and the Holy Spirit reruns at the end of time. I can't wait to see uh, Jonah. Was it a projectile vomit? Ping, you know, lands on his face. Was it a kind of a slithery one? Kind of came out. I don't know. <laughs> We're all going to have a great time with the reruns of that one. I tell you, that's very interesting. <laughs> so, Joe, Jonah had a few problems. It's not every day you get swallowed by a fish and then delivered by crying out to God, right? <laughs> this is the funniest story. So, look at this, <laughs> chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Oh, a second time. So the first time was, go and preach to the Ninevites. I want you to preach repentance to them. I want them to repent because I don't want to judge them. He didn't like that idea. Because <laughs> he could see as a prophet they were going to give Israel a problem one day. They were an empire and they were going to invade. He says, nah, I don't think I'll do that. So he goes the opposite direction. Then the fish comes, swallows him. He's burped up on the shore. And then the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. So Jonah, let's try that again. Could God be like that? No. Well, I'm sure glad that he's a God of second chance. The question is, are you going to feel too guilty, too upset, oh, too overwhelmed by your failures never to grab a hold of that second chance and take full advantage of it? A lot of people don't do that. They just assume that they're cursed or condemned or whatever, you know. Turns out, in my experience, God's even more than a God of a second chance. So Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he goes to this great city of Nineveh, right? And this could be a whole sermon itself, but it's very interesting 
Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through. That's incredible. Jonah began by going a day's journey to the city, proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, to the least put on sackcloth. Now, this is it's hard to understand this, because in history, these people... <laughs> These, these people are ruthless. Now, we know about ruthless people now, but I mean, these people have no checks, no boundaries, no anything. They are absolutely the most violent, vile people on the planet. But they throw some sackcloth on. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animal, herds or flocks, taste anything, do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Listen to this. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So they were savvy and spiritual enough to know that this is a real threat, right? People, even leaders today, don't know about real threats, don't, don't, don't understand the supernatural or the spiritual whatsoever, right? Jonah 4, 1 to 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He's mad. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? You asked me to go preach to them, and they did exactly what I told you was going to happen. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. This is why I was rebelling. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God. Wow. He knows this. And so he's trying to circumvent the compassion of God. This Old Testament character knows the love of God so strong that he's running the opposite direction so he doesn't have to warn somebody because he wants them dead. Very. Let's think about that for a minute. There's some audacious, crazy characters roaming around. Maybe they belong to your unfavorite political party. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Please don't help them. Don't heal them. Destroy them. Take them out. Oh, got a lot of Jonas in here. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live with this political party I don't like. Some people act like that. So the thing is, Turns out we're supposed to pray for even our enemies. And maybe if we do a little bit more of that, we might fee, they might be a little less enemy-like. It's just that we polarize like the rest of the world. We lose our Jonah anointing, right? So I didn't mean to say all that, but I'm saying it on the side. It sounds good right now. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? <laughs> and Jonah's thinking, yep, it is. It is. Absolutely, it is. <laughs> it's absolutely right to be angry, right? <clears throat> 
Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord provided a leafy plant to make it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. (laughs) Boy, boy, he's got problems. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, listen to this, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Sounds like Russia to me. So, we clearly have power and authority that we don't know we have. And it's so important that in the politics of the day, we make sure we don't forget our prayer garment, our prayer authority, praying for these people. Even if it means they repent and stop doing what they're doing, coming short of some sort of judgment or whatever, it's really, really important, right? So this is really important in winning impossible matters, uh, battles. Because look, guys, what we're dealing with right now is spiritual it's supernaturally spiritual. I can't say that every conflict or everything that I've, I've seen or experienced uh, has been, but this one is charged. What we're dealing with is charged with supernatural activity. So it's important that the people of God have the right attitude and also the right prayer life so we can, withhold, we can withstand it in this day. Isaiah 58, 3-4. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. And just one example of attitudes, I think the importance that we have. See, we need to win this, these impossible battles all around us. There's all kinds of things that aren't going on. It's just really important that we get our prayer breath back and we get our humility and our love back and we begin to pray for our enemies, just like the Bible tells us, right? As well as uh, be wise about all of our behavior, right? So... I want to just keep going in uh, point B. Pray to your friend Jesus. It's really important in this hour. And I want to go back to our story. And we see in this story all these people praying, right? And then we see this other thing that's in place as believers, right? John 15, 15 to 6. Whatever you ask in my name, he says, I will do it. Isn't that amazing? Romans 8, 31. If God is for me, then who could be against me? Wow. And Matthew 18, 18 to 20. I'll just read these verses in particular, all right? So powerful. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So to the extent that we believe that possibility is the extent that we're going to see victory. We're going to see significant movement in our world. That would be between husbands and wives. You only need two or three. You don't need a huge deal. You don't need a special politic to do this. You just need humble hearts, 
people that know their God and also know the love of God and how far his love will extend to love the worst scoundrels, the nastiest people with the nastiest ideas, the most murderous, threatening, conniving people on the planet. (laughs) The church has a responsibility to pray for them, to intercede for them, because they're being empowered, not in the natural, but with demonic power. And I think now in our time that we live in, we can see that more clearly than ever before. It's not just politics as usual, it's demonic politics, which is a different kind of politic. We've always had it, but it's stronger now. Intense, right? To win the battles that we need to battle, to see what we want to see, we're going to have to learn as a church worldwide to go to a spiritual place. And I tell you, I just saw this amazing video of the church in Ukraine, and this church is the largest church there. And uh, oh my goodness, they, there they are in that conflict. And there's like eight or nine hundred of them dancing around and worshiping. They got these symbols and everything. They're Jewish believers. All of them are Jewish believers. And they're the largest messianic congregation in the world. And they're going at it right in the middle of this conflict. It's just the most beautiful thing I have seen in so long. And I'm thinking to myself, God, how can you resist these people? It's impossible for you to resist. Now, if all of us could, around the world get on the same page, at least every day, intercede. Take another person with us and just ask God, please have mercy on this situation. Please pray for President Biden. Pray for the, pre- uh, pray for, uh, the Russian president. Pray for Hosen Authority. Pray for anybody that has any authority thing to do with this thing. And pray for the gospel to mer- march forward faster and bigger than ever. And by the way, that is exactly what's happening. So I had a great phone call the other day, and boy, you would not believe. You would not believe what the European believers are doing. I have never seen them mobilized like this. Man, they are just risking their life. They are perceiving people into their homes. They are pressing in on a level that I have never seen the European church like this. And they are one going after this thing. It's just amazing. So they've made this battle the Lord's battle. And that's exactly where we need to go. And so we see in that story that I read from Second Chronicles chapter 20, as they're all before them, so they have this, uh, this amazing power, this authority, this, this thing that's coming against them that just seems utterly impossible. How can we resist? Oh, COVID, what are we going to do? Or, oh, whatever, you name your favorite thing today because there's plenty of enemies out there. But these people, they don't stay there. They recognize the danger. Where they go is to prayer. There they all are. All the men and women with all their wives and children standing there before the Lord and get a word from the Lord about what God's going to do. And they're praying. They're interceding. They're on the basis of the temple. Who's the temple now? It's us, right? We're the temple. The sanctuary in the Old Testament was this building that they would go through and they, they would come and pray toward that building. But the new building is the saints. So the new building, we're like living stones built into the new temple. So we're the ones that pray. The Church of Jesus Christ, right? So we are these people. We are these men and women and with our little kids standing there. And so you always have power to conquer fear and discouragement and be strengthened by the Lord. We see these in these verses. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So, by the way, that's an okay prayer. And that's not a namby-pamby prayer, and that's not a weak thing to do. I think we could pray this with all authority. 
you know what? Here's the thing. The proof's in the pudding. God received this kind of prayer. We're going to get to that in a minute. All the men of Judah with their wives and children stand up. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So I like Isaiah chapter 40. It encourages me so much. This verse, I'm just going to read these verses here for a minute. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? I wonder if internally some of us have felt that. And maybe it's been maybe the source of some of our reaction, maybe of anger, and maybe even sort of like taking things in our own hands. We're going to show them what's what. If they can do this, look what I can do. You know, that old thing. Which I do think we should take responsibility where we can. But we need to go to this place first. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow weary or tired. He, he didn't get tired during the COVID crisis. He didn't get tired about all this. He's not tired. In his understanding, no one could fathom. He actually understands what's going on better than you think, deeper than you think. We just have to meditate on that for a moment because in the mess, we just lose contact that God actually understands. He's not wringing his hands about that or that we have failed somehow so miserably that we're going to have uh, unrestrained judgment. No, the thing is, look, think about this. David killed somebody, took his wife. He humbled himself, said, sorry about that. God took him back. Wow, I got a lot of room. <laughs> oh, the mercy of God. But you got to mean it. Actually, you got to be sorry about what you did. The broken and contrite heart you will not despise. But look at this. He will not grow weary, tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. So God understands exactly what's going on. He gives strength to the weary. I love that. Lord, I pray anyone here that feels tired. They're tired in their family life. They're tired in their job. They're tired and just trying to make ends meet or just be a citizen. <laughs> Lord, I just pray you give strength now. I pray you increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men tumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, I declare that over our church. They will renew their strength. Not just to renew our strength, you know, to survive. But this is a time for us to be right down where everyone lives that's having difficulty. The homeless, those that are in crisis... Well, I think a number of us feel like we're in crisis. How can we help anybody else? But that's exactly the wrong way to think. Start investing yourself in those that have crises around you, even though you've got your own problems. And I'm telling you, your light is going to begin to shine. Matter of fact, here's what it says. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. You won't be so tired, right? It's just a matter of putting our eyes in the right place. And God who's stronger at all, and God who's looking for people to take part in the battle. And that's point B. Listen and look for your part in the battle. What have you left undone? I'd like you to think about that. I always do that. When I'm in a struggle, you know, and something's not wrong, I mean, something's wrong, and, and I can't seem to get an answer for it, you know what I do? I always ask God, God, is there anything more that I could do, anything that I've left undone? And that served me very, very well because sometimes the answer comes. And when the answer comes, it's not exactly the answer I was looking for. 
And sometimes it's actually so wise and so smart and so simple, it, it works out great, right? But I always assume that when I have a problem, a nation has a problem, right? We have something to do with the answer. It's just not cosmic. He actually delights in using his people, right? So here's what he tells them to do. Listen to this. So the answer comes back as all the little guys are standing there and the so cute, you know, and the wives and the husbands are there together interceding, doing the right thing, and then the answer comes back. Okay, well, here's what you got to do. Oh, what do you mean we got to do something? Well, here's it. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Yeah, we got that part because of this vast army. Uh, for the battle is not yours, but God's. That's the part we're not so certain about. Tomorrow, march down against them. What, what did he say? What did he say? I think he said march down against them. <clears throat> They'll be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, wherever that is. <laughs> and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. Actually, I do know exactly where that is. Ziz is a weird name. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Whoa. Jehoshaphat. Listen to this. So here's the thing. Jehoshaphat bows down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. I mean, this isn't exactly the best news I've ever heard. I mean... <laughs> And they're praising God for the word. Early in the morning, and, and he says, you're going to go face this vast army, and by the way, you're not going to have, to, I'm just going to take care of the whole thing. Wow. Like, you know, okay, you, why don't we just have like 15 or 20 of us try it out, and if it works on the rest of us, will come too, right? No. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Joshua stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you'll be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you'll be successful. Now, I want you to apply this not only to a general level, but also to your own situation. When God speaks to you about doing something, just follow through with it. It's safer. Right? I thought to myself, you have to have your head examined for starting a school in the middle of a pandemic and all the other stuff and violence is going on. Right? But I just knew it was the right thing to do. And I thought, well, what am I, how am I going to do this? I did it before. How am I going to do this? Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't have the space. But I said yes. As soon as I said yes, the guard goes, okay, here we go. And he just started putting things in place. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, he's like, like the winds behind me just pushing me. Like I'm being pushed into it. Like, I, I mean, I said, what about this? Boom. What about this? Answer. What about this? Boom. What about the money? Ear. Just like that. This is what they were about to experience. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men. Now this is the part that I like the best. <laughs> to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise the Lord, God set am the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they just helped destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. What an incredible story. Only dead bodies laying on the ground. 
So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder and found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, which means praise, by the way. They assembled in the Valley of Praise, where they praised the Lord. That's why they call, that is why it's called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem, for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice of their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went with, to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. What an incredible story. Now it's only going to remain an incredible story if we don't think about what that might mean for us. Right? Well, first of all, there was a word that was given that was very, very specific, right? But then there's the principles of praise and thanksgiving in our life. They stir the Lord to battle for you. That's why we do worship. So we don't do worship as like the pre-thing that we do. (laughs) We don't do worship because it's nice, because the pastor is so boring when he preaches. We have to have something that's not boring in the service. Therefore, we better have really good musicians and really good music. But it's more than that. If it was just good music, nobody would be here. It's spiritual, isn't it? You can feel God in it when we worship. And so these people worshiped and they conquered things in the spirit. They actually did work in the spirit that was amazing. So have you put that together with your own personal life yet? Personally, my favorite part of the service is the worship. Always has been, right? No matter who's speaking, me or somebody else, right? And the reason why is I can somehow, I can feel the presence of God, but I also know that when I stand there in the midst of my most difficult problems, my situations, and I say, Jesus, you're Lord, I worship you anyway. It does something to my enemies because I don't war against flesh and blood. What's after me are demonic powers and authorities. You don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. (laughs) You don't have to go and worship. You get to worship. And here's a key, like a hint. God inhabits the praises of his people. Actually, that means he's really here. Where two or three gather together in the name that that Jesus is really here. And if he's really here, how many know that Jesus, the angels, and God have a little bit of authority and we see it exercised in this incredible story But the question is whether we're going to do that in our own life. God gives a new song to sing, strength to the weary, and he opens prison doors. There's an amazing story that we've been talking about the last several weeks, Paul in prison. Remember that story? And he begins to worship, and when he begins to worship, the jail cell shakes. He had been beaten up, chained to the floor. And the jailer comes and opens the door. Well, the jail doors flew open. And he comes to take care of their wounds and invites him to his house. He's freaking out. He gets saved. And then the next day, they let him go. And Paul's even saying, hey, hey, you know, like, look, I'm about, I was a Roman citizen. You beat me up. Like, yeah, we know. We're sorry about that. Sorry about that. Just please go, go, go. This, this is way too much for us. Could it ever be that the weight of worship, the weight of prayer and worship could be so strong in the church that the demons say, you know, I don't think I'll stay around any longer. I don't like this. And by the way, the politicians who are being empowered by them or the authorities are being empowered by them, they sort of give up on the whole deal too and say, well, it's a little bit a little rough for us. I'm telling you, we have access. We just need to make the Lord's battle, make our battles the Lord's battle in private ways, right? 
We just continue to worship God, stay with Him in our private lives, but also over the whole country and over our region, right? It's not time to give up. It's the time to use the weapons God's given us. And if He gives us some wisdom along the way, He'll do that too. From some very specific things to do. Not just worship and real spiritual things, but maybe some practical things. Like, I like what Carl's doing. I like us learning, going back to our Constitution. We can be proud of some of the things that happened in our early uh, country's life and the way the country was founded. It's historic. Nothing like that's better been done on the planet, the face of the earth. It's unique because it's got God right in the center of it. It wasn't just politicians that shaped our Constitution. It was pastors and leaders and, and, and people seeking spiritual freedom. So they designed in such a way, okay, we're going to have a nation. What's the best way to have a nation? Right? And still be free. Right? We need a nation. We have to have an army and everything. How can we do that? And so it was a beautiful thing. And much of it from the history, oh, man, huge. Go back through history, you'll see. We had secularists at that time. We even had slave owners. But we had a lot of godly people. Going back through that history can make you proud, but also don't just be proud. My ancestors did it. I'm going to f- Look, your ancestors did that, uh, risking their lives for the country, but they did it by praying on their knees constantly, day and night, or walking with God. They suffered for walking with God. They did what they felt God wanted them to do, right? So now is the same. The country has to be re-upped, so to speak. Godly people have to stand up. And some of the ways that people are standing up these days is very courageous. But don't forget your prayer armor and, and your worship. Don't forget the spiritual weapons you got. And I don't care if it's in the country or your business or your family. It's amazing to me when people get a little of authority, whether it's in business or politics or whatever, how the Lord just sort of goes over here. That's the time that you need those spiritual weapons sharpened. That's the time when you can do the most damage if you just walk with God. You're not going to do it on your own or your own wisdom, right? I believe God's raising up a whole new army and a whole new attitude. And I'm hoping it's spiritual enough that includes prayer and worship in your daily life at your daily altar. And also the prophetic voice of God telling you what to do and how to do it. I have story after story from you. It's just so exciting how God's led us during this time. I'm not talking about really generalized revelation, but very specific revelation. Do this with your business. Sell that, buy this. Go this direction, go that way. God's giving marching orders in this time in very practical ways on a level we've never imagined. This didn't seem very practical to me. Go, just go down there and march. Let's have, some, let's have a little clap offering there. <laughs> wow, it didn't sound wise, but you know what? They got it. They got it. It didn't matter if the plan was executed well or whatever. They got it. They knew. Something that was from God Almighty. They took a prophetic word that was spoken, and that's where they did to solve a problem. They were facing annihilation, and they walked straight into it. And the Lord said, you know, I kind of like that faith. And he demolished their enemies. A new song is symbolic of embracing a new attitude toward God to change the season of our life. I'm getting that from some of the verses there. I don't want to go into them, but God's giving the church a new song, the song that maybe Silas and Paul worship with while they were in jail. So let's go to Roman numeral three, enjoying the plunder. I like this part, enjoying the plunder. So when we read through there, they said God said ambushes, but not only was there victory against their enemies, but there was money. It took three days to collect it. 
Could I just say something that I hope will encourage you? I believe one outcome from winning difficult battles can be overwhelming blessing, the plunder. I believe there's a sense where God's people, where he brings a time of suffering, much like a plant would get pruned back, but then he grows it back. And I think you guys should be expecting that. All of us should be expecting that. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say those with fearful hearts. Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. What God did with them is divine retribution. He not only won the battle, but he gave them retribution. He gave them spoil. He gave them double for their trouble. And this is a place that I think we can all be. This place that we're in is an opportunity to get more, not less. So you just have to have your eyeballs. You have to understand this is the way you win impossible battles. But God wants his people to be warriors. He wants us to be like that. And he wants us to use supernatural weapons to do it. And sometimes it requires supernatural faith to step into something. Maybe some of you have to step into a business opportunity you hadn't thought of. Maybe it's something to do with your sacrificial with your family. Or maybe you need to buy something that you would never have bought because maybe someone else needed it. Maybe you need to actually buy a bigger house so somebody can stay in a room because we have a housing crisis. So you could rent out the room. Or maybe you could do something with... You name it. We should go on the offense. And I guarantee you what God wants to do in response to this is bless us. He wants us to bless us. Let's read Second Chronicles 20, 29 to 30, down at the bottom of the page, and we'll wind this down a little bit. Second Chronicles 20, 29 to 30. The fear of the Lord, the fear of God, came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. All of that came out of some worship. It's funny, up above, when they came back, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice with their enemies. They entered Jerusalem, and guess what they did? The first thing they did, they didn't just fight over the spoil. They entered Jerusalem, went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. They began celebrating. They started with worship, and they ended with worship. They started with prayer, and they ended with prayer. Isn't that amazing? But here, I want to just focus this just for a minute. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Could it be that if we walk boldly with the Lord, I don't mean arrogantly, by the way, but I mean boldly in faith, we take up our prayer mantle and our worship mantle, we listen to God and do things that He wants us to do. Already it's happening. There is more opportunity for blessing than there ever has been in the history of of our country. There are more little opportunities. Everybody talks about on the news, and if you listen to the news incessantly, you wouldn't think there's an opportunity in the world about there for any kind of uh, uh, progress. They talk constantly, because bad news is how they advertise. Bad news is how they get their ratings. You know, I don't know about you, but like I, I sit down, and I just want to hear what the latest bad news is, pretty much. I mean, in case I miss something, and it's going to hit me in the head, and the, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I had to catch myself with that. Now, wait a minute. Like, why are you so excited to see the news? It's nothing but terrible news. Why are you... Well, I don't know. I I just want to know more. Why do you want to know more? Are you going to do something about it? Well, probably not, but scary. 
Yeah? Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, <laughs> I think I should be the other way around. Wow, what can I pray about? What opportunity am I be? Hey, how can we do that? Wow, people must be raw. They must be like wanting God now. There, there must be a lot of people that are really insecure right now. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Wow, how about the possibilities for investment? Hmm. When there's ever a shakeup, whenever in world history there's ever been a shakeup, there's always opportunity for financial, uh, for those that will be bold enough to step into it. Maybe God will give me wisdom. You know, maybe I could hire some of those homeless people. Whoa, why don't you start a mercy warehouse? You cannot believe how God's blessed that thing. No, I'm not just talking about He's blessed us financially. It's incredible. Because we decided to go in the opposite direction. We didn't close down the pandemic. We accelerated. We went as fast as we possibly, our little feeties would take us during that pandemic. Because we know people are going to start giving their stuff, you know. And also they'd find us. And so they did. And they're continuing and continuing. And we help people and we feed them like we do every single uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're out there feeding people with food from the, our, our kitchen back there. We're giving the food away like we have done. $150 a, a basket. You can do that three times a week if you want. We've been doing that forever and ever. We never stop. We press forward. Salvation Army shut down. Thank you very much, Salvation Army. Got most of your customers and then the other over here. And you know what? There was an opportunity there. Now, I saw the opportunity, but boy, while I'm up in the middle of the night, you know, like working a forklift, trying to move stuff and breaking my back and everything because there's no employees, you know, that was a problem. But I saw it. I could feel it. And I, this whole pandemic, I've seen the opportunity. There's possibilities here. There's possibilities for the Ukraine. Are you kidding me? Their hardness is totally shattered. That's a nation waiting for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When this thing somehow comes to some sort of stability, you watch and see. It's going to be, the gospel is going to move through that part of the world like, like a roaring fire. I mean, the church should think of that right now, already be positioned for what's about to happen. And I want to say for you business people, God's going to give you resources beyond anything you could imagine if you just look and don't cower. If you just be careful, because this is the time of the great ingathering. And I could even put a sum of money in some countries on what it'll cost you. In India, $5 a convert. For every $5 you give me, there will be a discipled convert within two years. That's where it is in India, and it's going down. Soon it'll be $3. From all our investments, that's what it is. They're in church too. See, the possibilities are everywhere. These people somehow understood how to win impossible battles and we can understand it. We can be right in the middle of the greatest opportunity in our whole life. The only thing you can't be is a coward. Right? And I have to tell myself that every day because I'm as afraid as anybody but you just got to get past that and into your destiny. Some of you will make more money than you've ever made in your whole life. The country's uneven. They're looking for leaders. They're looking for someone who will be confident. Unfortunately, the people that are confident are also arrogant and stupid and evil. <laughs> Jesus, I pray for my government. <laughs> Not all of them. I mean, but got to admit, there's a few of them, and I pray for them a lot. So I, but even despite, I'm just trying to say, despite that, right? That's our attitude. And I mean it. I mean, I, 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 Really pray for them. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at all my little ballot things they are getting, and I'm staring at everyone. I'm calling people. I know who is this guy? Who is this guy? Or who's this gal? Who's that? Is she good? He, I've been calling everywhere I can because I want to know. Wow, that could be good. We might actually get great candidates instead of <sighs> sleeping through voting this time, whether it's local or extra local. We're all paying attention now. <laughs> 
You see what the opportunity is? The church is paying attention now. Can you see where this could head? If we all wake up, we don't give a, become cowards, we don't back off, we look into the thing, we're going to be involved. I mean, they open a can of worms. Now Christians are going to be in every kind of office. They're going to try to run for everything possible. You guarantee you, that's already happening right now. You look across the whole span. My first question is, where's the Christian in here? And I'll tell you, every time I've asked that question, I find them. They're all over the place. They're running all over. See the opportunity here? And for you personally and your family and your household, I'm going to tell you, this is a grand opportunity for you. God wants more, not less. He wants to be just like these people. And sometimes we're like Jonah and we go the wrong direction. But even if you're to get swallowed by a well, let it burp you up and just go on about your business and do what God said in the first place, okay? Because COVID was a little scary. I think it swallowed a few of us for a while, you know. We didn't know what to do, man. Didn't know what to believe. Still don't sometimes. Oh, but there's opportunity. There's grace. Amen? Let's all stand. So let's, let's just do something. I don't mean pray all afternoon. I just mean, gosh, we have these wonderful musicians here. They open the heavens every time they play. Right? All of our musicians do that. It's been the part of our church since the very beginning. We've never been without beautiful, powerful music. And it opened your spirit up for possibilities. So what I'd like to do is challenge you. If this meant anything to you today... Um, well, even if it did, you, you may have to go and do things, I understand. But I've, I just got the impression that some, maybe some of you would like to come up to the front and just spend a little time and sort of reverse a few things. Maybe you've been intimidated, you know. But you know what? Those people, when they came to the prayer meeting, they didn't come with the answers. They just said, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So maybe that's the place you're in. I don't know exactly what to do, but my eyes are on you, God, and I want to talk to you about it. And I want to declare your grace and mercy over me. Right? And you know what? God watches little things like this. Whenever he sees a prayer, a, a, a faith sail stick up, stick up like that out of the boat, the wind comes and begins to blow. And maybe you haven't been too full of faith lately. I've been weak at times trying to stay out of those times but sometimes I get either through anger or just utter just disappointment or discouragement I, I put my sail down but the wind's still blowing and God likes those people who don't know their right hand from their left and I don't know why like Jonah but he does he's going to get them we're going to get them get our fair share of the harvest fair share of authority in this nation and land if we don't give up still a free republic and we can make a difference so if you'd like I just saw people coming to the front and just reversing things you don't have to come to the front if you don't want to if you want to fine but just wherever you can do from your seat or wherever and just take a little moment with the Lord during the worship just start praying about your situation maybe you should even don't pray so much as declare I declare your freedom over my life I declare your prosperity over my life I declare your direction I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I declare you're going to show me what to do. Whether I'm supposed to move across the country, whether I'm supposed to have this business, or whether I'm supposed to make a decision about this job, you're going to show me. I love the front because it has some possibilities for just really gathering and reinforcing what you're doing. So we're just going to do that today. I just receive anyone, maybe some people will stand with you and agree with you in prayer, or two or three gather together there, it's even more powerful.
So I'm going to have some of the ministry team come up. Maybe you could stand up along the front and just receive people. And just agree with them about simple things. Maybe what you're worst, most worried about as a child. Maybe in another city. Maybe what you're most worried about is your home. Maybe what you're most worried about is your health. Maybe what you're most worried about, just tell God about it. If I could have some of our ministry team members, just look for people. And if someone comes up to you and asks you if they'd like prayer, you know, you can say no politely. Or if you'd like them to pray, that'd be great. We have plenty of room down on this side over here. And if I could have some of my worship team, ministry team just to be up here praying, I'm going to roam around a little bit praying for people all along the front. If you need to go, feel free. If you'd like to stay in your seat and do this while we're doing worship, feel free. If you have to go now, if you want to go, please be careful uh, when you go because I think there's a little holy hush in the room right now. And don't disturb someone that's actually doing some incredible spiritual business with God, okay? Because I think there's business being done. And I want to make sure we're sensitive to that, all right? So whether you're in your front or in your seat, just stay there. And if you guys could just worship with us a little bit and stir things up in the spirit a little bit, (laughs) be great. God bless you all. I commission you in the name of Jesus Christ to win your battles and the Lord's battles. I commission you in the name of Jesus Christ for this to be a different kind of week. A hearing week and an acting week and a praying week. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that God would unfold your steps. Whether it's in the simplest act of kindness to a stranger or a plan to help many people, maybe even nations. May God speak to you. May God talk to you. May God encourage you. May God heal you from the woundedness and the brokenness. For where you've been sick or where you've been discouraged or where you lost your job or I don't care what it is, may God heal you. Whatever the problem, may God blow on you. May the wind of God blow on you for blessing, whatever it is you need. May the winds blow again for blessing, whatever you need. May the wind blow in this room. May the wind blow next week and the following week and the following week. May the wind blow over you. May destiny be born. May this be the greatest time of your entire life. May you have miracle after miracle. May God revive you and restore you and renew you in a way you can't imagine. In your family, in your job, in your household, in everything. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.